Andrea and Leia, a Star Wars podcast hosted by a mother. Hi, I'm Annika. And daughter. Hi, that's me. I'm Kirsty. Today we're discussing our favorite moments in The Last Jedi. It's the second of our three episodes dedicated to the sequel trilogy in honor of The Rise of Skywalker, which is now literally two weeks away. Oh, wow, that's so close. I can't believe it. I mean, they're, they've, they've started having screenings, so it's really, it's really happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready. <laughs> I know. I'm also very ready. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking The Last Jedi today, and The Last Jedi is, I, I feel like talking about our favorite moments is almost a little bit controversial for The Last Jedi, because uh, it's got some, a variety of opinions that people have about this movie, I'll say. There are very strong opinions in the world, Everyone's yes. Everyone's got strong opinions, yeah. My list for this episode is ridiculously long. <laughs> it's longer than The Force Awakens. But at the same time, I feel about this movie the way I do about the fifth Harry Potter book. In what way? It has some of my favorite parts of the entire saga. But it also has a lot of stuff that I wish was different. Mm. Yeah, I feel that way as well. My list is shorter than The Force Awakens, and not because I think I don't like the movie as much, more because there's fewer, like, really strong moments, I feel. Yes. But I still very much enjoy this film. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think that's why it's so controversial. Yeah, I agree. So do you want to get started? You can go first this time. Sure. So I'm actually going to start pretty close to the end of the film, Mm. but I wanted to start with this moment because it's a pretty small moment that you probably wouldn't think would make it into my top three, Mm -hmm. but I think that it represents a lot in its smallness and simpleness. So toward the end of the film, Rose and Finn return from their side mission they're already on crate at this point, mm-hmm. and everybody's like shooting at them. And they, you know, they come out and they say, "Don't, don't shoot at us! Don't shoot at us!" Right. And right. Poe says, "Hold our fire!" And he's like, "Oh, you know, you're alive. I'm so glad that you're alive." And then immediately says, "Where's my droid?" Mm-hmm. And BB-8 runs out, and then they Poe and BB-8 have this like adorable reunion where he like plays with his his round like what would be Aww. his belly if he was a person yeah. or whatever. And they put their heads together. So that moment <laughs> of Poe and BB-8 reuniting after thinking that, you know, this is, this is the end of the resistance. It's the end of their everything. You know, it's at the end of the world as they know it, mm-hmm. but they come together and, and so they can, they can fight together. Like at least we'll be together kind of thing. I just really like, I think that that is representative of everyone in the resistance, um, mm-hmm. that there are other moments where people are reunited throughout this, uh, this film, and definitely towards the end. But I think that this one with Poe and BABA is just so earnest and innocent and sweet and just has yeah, so much positivity in it. Yes. That I really wanted to highlight it. Yeah, it's a really great moment. And I know we also talked in our Force Awakens episode about um, when Poe and BBA reunite in that movie too. I think I just love the way those two interact with each other. And I do think that 
human and droid relations are actually really important in Star Wars. Yes, and it's for some sure. it's something that maybe doesn't get talked about as much, but in every version of Star Wars, in every film, in every series, there is at least one incredibly important uh, person and droid relationship that is central to the action. Yeah, I think they've made it a tradition at this point that anytime they make a new story, there's always going to be a, a droid companion that you know the character really does care about. And it's probably less talked about because it seems a little silly. Right. But it... I mean, it's very real and part of the themes of all of these stories, for sure. I love robots, and I love robot stories. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this idea that you can love something that isn't, that is so completely different from you, that is a machine, mm -hmm. um, but it, it still has personality and it still has its own life, and you have a relationship with it. And that's just, like... I just love that idea that is integral to Star Wars, and I just thought it was really a good representation of all of the important reunions and separations that happen in this film. Um, yeah. and, and also it just makes me smile when he's like playing with his hands on, on BB-8's roundness, and it's just like, oh, it's yeah. so cute. Yeah, I like that you chose that because the first one that I'm going to talk about for my top three is also a droid moment, sort of. So I picked when, um, it's during the scene when Luke is visiting the Millennium Falcon and he's kind of somber. He's thinking of Han. He just learned about what happened to Han. And R2-D2 shows up and cheers Luke up. And it's really sweet. And my favorite moment in this scene is when R2-D2 plays Leia's old hologram <gasps> message for Luke from A New Hope. And th that's right after Luke kind of insists that he's not, he's never coming back and everything. And then in the next scene, we see that he's actually finally agreeing to train Ray. And so that actually does convince Luke to give Ray a chance, which I think is really fun that it was R2-D2 that managed to really get to Luke in this movie. And so there's three kind of major things that I think this, makes me think of and it probably makes Luke think of. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, this is the message that started Luke's entire journey. Yes. And so I think that, you know, hearing those words from Leia reminds him of why he cares about, um, about first of all, what he used to be, like on his journey of becoming a Jedi and also as a rebel, um, because those are the same things that he kind of needs to be right now for the rest of the resistance. I think it also shows his bond with R2-D2, as we were talking about with mm -hmm. the, the droid relationships, because in the original trilogy, that's really the major one, is Luke and R2-D2. Oh, absolutely. You see them have having conversations and really starting to bond on Dagobah and things like that. And, of course, Anakin is the same way with R2-D2. And so I just love how you see Luke's face light up in this scene, and he says old friend to R2-D2. Um, and so, of course, he's going to listen to R2-D2. You know, he wouldn't even, you know, Chewbacca shows up and he's just, like, kind of annoyed. <laughs> you know, he's not really giving <laughs> a, a listen to Ray and Chewie, but R2-D2 he listens to. And then the last thing is, of course, the message reminds him of Leia. And Leia is over at the Resistance, you know, working so hard to make things right in the world. 
while Luke is just hanging out on his island by himself. <laughs> and so I'm sure that also, you know, means something to him that, hey, his sister is out there doing good work. And just like she was back in A New Hope. Yes, it's an amazing sequence. And I I love also that R2 is the one who can break through to him. But I also think that because it's a message to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was a hermit in the desert, (laughs) the way that Luke is a hermit on his island. And I think Mm -hmm. that that also reminds Luke that this is the role that he has to play now. Yeah. That is who he is supposed to be. And this is someone who is coming to him for help the way that Luke was coming to Obi-Wan at that time, too. And Leia. Absolutely. Yeah, she says, you're my only hope. And that's... I'm sure what everyone at the resistance is thinking. Right. I also think it's funny. As soon as he starts playing it, he's like, that was a cheap move. Um, (laughs) But then it still worked. Because there's so much behind it. And R2 knows that. R2 has been looking after the Skywalkers for a really long time. Oh, yes. And he's never had his memory wiped and is ready to pull out that file from his memory banks or whatever. (laughs) All right. My second one that I want to bring up so honestly, the climax of this film, yes, the, really there's like two climaxes, but they're right on top of each other. So it's just one long, like 30 minute amazingness of film. I can agree with that. Yeah. So it's really difficult mm-hmm. to pick out like one moment. Yeah. But so within all of the, the climax is the throne room fight sequence, mm-hmm. which is beautiful and amazing and choreographed to be a showstopper, and I and it is, I think. Mm-hmm. And within that, the moment from Ray catching the lightsaber, standing up, and the two of them looking at each other, and then turning back to back and starting to fight, mm-hmm. which is all like one shot in slow motion. That moment is amazing. Everything that happens there is just so emotional. It's so intense. You know, it's everything that you wanted to happen. I 100% agree. This was my next choice as well. Like, pretty much that exact moment. It's just so powerful. Mm -hmm. I just remember coming out of the film, and I had that Adele song stuck in my head, the We Could Have Had It All. (laughs) Because it's like, it was so perfect for about, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 seconds. It was absolutely everything I ever wanted in Star Wars. (laughs) And then it all sort of, you know, fell apart. But it was an amazing moment where they really come together. And Ray is so emotional. Like, we, we talked about this in, in the Force Awakens episode, too. Mm-hmm. She is just at a level 12 of emotions. Mm-hmm. And Ben is, too, but in a much quieter way. Yeah. He's really deliberate about everything. And she is just wild and chaotic and when those two forces come together is beautiful yeah I agree I like that at that moment the force theme plays but it's like this really strong dark sounding version of it yes um, I think that really heightens the energy of that moment it kind of gives you chills yes um, and you know it's like I don't know what about it makes it sound sort of dark to me maybe it's the instrumentation or the key or something but I just think it 
because that's our classic force, you know, mm-hmm. theme we associate with the good guys and the Jedi, but then it also kind of has this darkness to it. I think that really fits the two of them um, joining forces for this moment. Yeah, I mean, to go past this moment and into the whole sequence, I, I am always just amazed at how out of control Ray is. She's mm. screaming mm-hmm. and, and growling. And again, like Ben is much more, you know, he's fighting and he's, he's you know, grunting and stuff, but it's so much quieter and so much more with purpose, whereas she's just like, I am going to wreck you all. <laughs> I am fury incarnate. Mm. Again, that just brings back my belief that she can connect to the dark side and not be dark. That she can just use her anger for good. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is proof that Ben is a natural light force user trying desperately to use the dark side and not really, like, he wants to be the monster, but he's not actually good at it. Mm. He's, like, pretending too hard. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, throughout the fight scene... Here you're seeing Ray again showing so much anger and emotion and Kylo Ren kind of showing a little less. And, you know, you think of the light side being associated with a Jedi and kind of being more calm and collected about your use of the force and your fighting technique and stuff like that. So I can definitely see that. Well, you know, Yoda, my good friend Yoda, (laughs) in The Phantom Menace says specifically, anger is, anger leads to... Hate, hate leads to suffering. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I get angry at Yoda, so I don't like to quote him. But it's an important touchstone, I think, of how the Jedi view the Force and mm-hmm. the light side and the dark side, and just this idea that that Ray can be angry and still make the right decisions. I think Mm. is important. I agree. Yeah. I think this is breaking tradition in a lot of ways, this throne room scene, and it's supposed to. It's supposed to, like, be really bringing something new. And they do talk in this movie about balance. You know, when Luke is teaching Rey about the Force, she says that she senses a balance, and that's also been a part of the lore. Mm -hmm. But we don't often see that balance of the force kind of manifested I feel like and so I think this throne room is kind of doing that a little bit I'm gonna bring up my favorite arc of the Clone Wars series the Mortis arc ah yes which is all about balance and the chosen Mm -hmm. one and the whole idea of bringing balance to the force Mm -hmm. so very briefly and quickly Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka get lost in a pocket universe within the universe (laughs) that is sort of a mythological area run by the father. And the father has two children, the son and the daughter, and the son represents the dark side and the daughter represents the light side, and the father is sort of balanced. So this movie especially when Ben Solo chooses not to join the good side and then and Ray also rejects his offer to join his side, they, they start to really represent the 
the two, the son and the daughter to me. Mm-hmm. And in between them, represented by the lightsaber that splits in half, is Anakin, who would be the father. And I just really like the mythology of the Force being represented in this way. You know, and obviously, I see that because I love the Mortis Arp so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that it is true that it is a, a battle between the two of them for control of the Chosen One, as represented by Anakin's lightsaber, and mm. it splits in half because neither of them can win. They, they have to come oh. together to win, you know? Yeah, that's a very cool connection. How do you feel about the lightsaber being broken after <laughs> all you were saying about it in our last talk? I know. With, uh, well, that being Anakin and stuff. Well, not being Anakin, but being where he hangs out. <laughs> I like it, actually, because mm-hmm. of this connection that I see. If the lightsaber is Anakin, he would be so happy <laughs> to see Ben <laughs> kill his abuser and choose Rey and choose to fight for what he believes in. You know, he comes so far, but he doesn't quite, then he steps back. And, you know, to be honest, Ben really becomes Anakin (laughs) at that point. Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith Anakin. Yeah, definitely there's similarities there. Early Vader, I guess. Mm -hmm. When he has sort of passed over, but hasn't lost connection with his humanity. Mm -hmm. Suit Vader is just a ball of sadness and anger and desperation you know, he's a monster. He's the monster that, that Ben Solo tries to be. But if Obi-Wan hadn't thrown him into a volcano and he didn't get put in a suit, he would be this Ben Solo, <laughs> this version. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Anakin is torn. You know, he chooses Rey in the first movie, like I said, but in this movie, which one of these people actually needs me more? Which one is more following in my footsteps? Which one is going to fix my mistakes? He's torn too. He's mm-hmm. torn as much as Ray is. He's torn as much as Ben is. Like they're all, they're all torn. And so breaking in half is actually an appropriate symbol of that. Yeah, definitely. And that's I'm sure why they did it. I do like that. But going back to the moment that we chose here, like you mentioned this too, that it's like wordless, and they, you know, they don't really need, you know, the lightsaber flies into Ray's hand and. She knows what's happening, and they don't even need to say a word. It just feels right for them in this moment. They are coming to an understanding just for that fight scene, but then, like, afterwards, they have this argument and are like, okay, never mind, we're not actually, like, (laughs) we don't actually agree on this at all. But, you know, it's it's interesting and cool that 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 waited until after they had this brief understanding. Yes. Ray believes that that he that she's right that he's going to be the savior that they need and and she's going to bring him back and she's going to fix everything and Ben is still torn like I I think that he's still torn at the end of this movie he does not seem to be stable in his choices at any point <laughs> stable <laughs> so fire every gun on that one man stable <laughs> <laughs> he's the opposite of stable so yeah but the whole throne wing sequence Absolutely. is brilliant. It's just, it's an amazing set design for that room. Like, I don't even know how it works. But, like, <laughs> it's just cool, like, how it's all this red color and you can see their reflection in the floor really well. And then, like, throughout the fight, the wall is on fire and stuff like that. It's just so interesting yes. and visually 
very stunning. Yes. Everything is visually stunning. And then after everything explodes and there's just little fire tendrils falling down throughout their sadness. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent of Mustafar. Yeah, that's true. So. Bringing it back to the Revenge of the Sith connection mm-hmm. there. So that was your second <laughs> moment. So yes, that was also my second moment. So if you want to bring in your third, okay, I will go to my do third. That. All right. Now we're going to fast forward again to almost the end when Luke is battling Kylo Ren in order to let the resistance escape. Rey has landed the Falcon and Poe figured out that they had to follow the crystal foxes, but there's been a big bunch of rocks in the way. And so Rey has to lift the rocks, right? Mm -hmm. So all of this is happening. And... Kylo Ren is like, you know, I, I'm going to destroy everybody and the resistance is over and you're, and you're the last Jedi. And Luke says everything you just said is wrong mm-hmm. and, and uh, refutes it. And there's shots of Poe and Finn and Leia and everybody. And then he says, and I will not be the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it shows Rey lifting the rocks with the Force. And then as they part, it shows Finn and then they run together, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to Luke and Kylo Ren. I mean, I think it's, it's a beautiful sequence that is saying, this might seem like a sad ending, but we're going forward. Mm-hmm. As long as anyone exists, hope exists, and we have everything we need. But the fact that Luke says, I will not be the last Jedi, and it shows Rey... And then it also shows Finn. Mm-hmm. You think that Finn's going to be a Jedi? To quote Yoda again, I think that there is another, mm. and it's Finn. That's cool. I hadn't thought of that during they, that I sequence. Just, I love the idea of, of a Force-sensitive Finn, or even a Finn who isn't Force-sensitive and still gets to be a Jedi. I just love that the I will not be the last Jedi is on the two of them and not just Rey. That even if Finn isn't a Jedi... She needs him. That Finn is her Leia, if she were Luke. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I really love Finn and Ray's friendship that they have, and I, you know, I picked as one of my honorable mentions in the last movie when Finn gets to use the lightsaber and stuff. So I'm definitely all for Finn being a part of the keeping on the legacy of the Jedi. I also like that him saying I won't be the last Jedi ties in with the very last scene of the movie where you see the the young boy on Canto Bite with the broom because you see him use the force really briefly and you see that he's been inspired by Luke Skywalker there's like a a group of friends all playing with their Luke Skywalker figures or, or whatever I think that definitely that's getting at people across the galaxy being inspired by Luke and carrying on the legacy of the Jedi even after he's gone. Yes. That no matter what, he will not be the last Jedi Mm -hmm. because the Jedi existed and they will be remembered. They're not a myth, it turns out. Or even they are a myth, but they're a myth that people want to aspire to be. Mm. And also, you know, I love Rey and Finn hugging ever. I love hugs. I know you love hugs. I love that throughout the movie, they're both 
really worried about each other. And then, so this is when they they finally get to come back together. You know, I said that I really like the reunions. I think yes, there are a lot of reunions, and they're. Important. I think the reunions are great, but I, it's almost kind of sad that those characters didn't get to spend much time together in the movie. I feel like this movie splits up a lot of characters, but I know from seeing sneak peeks of the Rise of Skywalker and trailers and things people said that. Now that they have reunited, they're going to be interacting more and, and working all together in the next movie. So I think I'm cool with that, as long as we get some of that. <laughs> yeah. So what's your last moment? My last choice is after this scene with Luke's last sunset. <laughs> I really like this moment for saying goodbye to Luke Skywalker, because as Ray puts it, he... He passes with peace and purpose, which I think is really fitting and and satisfying, and, and that scene is very beautiful. I think, you know, there's a lot of ways they could have done this, but I think they picked sort of the perfect way to end Luke's journey and, and kind of pay a tribute to his character uh, by showing him staring toward the sunset at his island as the Force theme plays, obviously as an homage to the famous binary sunset scene right and I just knew like I remember the first time I watched the film and like as soon as they showed that sun I knew that this was like going to be a a special emotional farewell to the character and tribute to the character who really started it all which I think is awesome I also think that you know this moment for his character does mimic Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope when when he dies. Yeah, he disappears. Yeah, when he disappears and leaves behind the cloak, which I think is cool. Except I like that, you know, the difference is Luke doesn't give Kylo the satisfaction of killing him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think is it's better. It's more peaceful and kind of representative of the, the Jedi values and Luke's values. You know, he, in Return of the Jedi, is the one who threw aside his lightsaber and didn't fight. And, you know, even though his illusion had a lightsaber, he doesn't actually fight Kylo and doesn't even really pretend to. Yeah. And then, you know, he kind of taunts Kylo in the same way that Obi-Wan taunts Vader into killing him, but then doesn't give him that satisfaction. So I think that's a very well done moment for Luke Skywalker. Yes. I love that Luke... I love Luke. I love Luke. <laughs> I love that he is... He's so at peace with himself. I mean, even, like, Obi-Wan isn't. Yeah, you're right. Like, Obi-Wan is still very bitter when he dies, you know? <laughs> I feel like Luke, I mean, he, I think he's a little bitter, too, but he's... He is, he's bitter, but he also, he's come to trust that Ray is going to be okay. That, right, that, exactly. That it's that This is going to work out, whereas... Obi-Wan, when he died, it was almost daring Luke to, mm -hmm. to fix things. It was almost saying, this is what you have to do. This is the person that you have to defeat. Right, because he knew that Luke was watching. Right, I couldn't defeat him, so you have to defeat him for me. Whereas Rey was, like, not even there when right. all this was going on. So, Luke's greatest power is that he trusts people. Mm -hmm. That's, like, part of his journey as he learns to... Yeah, people. in Return of the Jedi, the re you know the reason he's able to throw away his lightsaber is because you know he trusts that his friends are going to 
take down the shield and mm. blow up the Death Star. Right. He doesn't have to do that. He trusts that they're going to, they have that handled. All he has to do is take care of his dad. Mm-hmm. All he has to do is say, no, I'm not going to become evil. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I would have put it too. Cause you know, in Empire Strikes Back, that's sort of his, you know, big mistake or kind of his flaw as a hero we see is that he, he cares about his friends so much that he, that he has to go after them even when it you know it's said that it's not the best choice for him to make at that time yeah he risks too much and then he and then he learns and then that continues to be a part of who he is up until right. this point point. and i think that when he is confronting ben i'll call him kylo ren when he says it so angrily are you here to save my soul and luke says no he doesn't even say anything more he just says no and what i get out of that is that you have to save yourself I can't do it. Ray can't do it. If you're going to be saved, if you need saving, if you think you need saving, you have to do that yourself because Mm -hmm. that's the lesson that Luke has learned. Right. Anakin saved himself for Luke, right? Luke came to save him, but Anakin had to make the choice. So I just think that Luke gives other people agency, which is great. Not very Jedi-like of him, to be honest. But maybe it's like the way the Jedi should be. I think that the Jedi want to be this way they want to trust that things will work out the republic will take care of itself yeah but they got used to meddling in it they saw that there was so much darkness and they decided they had to fix it and luke believes that the darkness has to be addressed by the people who are creating the darkness yeah definitely and that they can do it he believes they can do it whereas Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan and Yoda don't yeah that's true luke says you know obi-wan created vader and ray tells him and then you believe that vader didn't have to say that way and you were right you know and that's i think that's a really important conversation Mm -hmm. not because luke is against the jedi because i don't i don't you know as much as you know i i love the line it's time for the jedi to end (laughs) but luke doesn't really want the jedi to end he can't bring himself to burn up the books I don't really want the Jedi to end. I just want them to evolve and accept that there are different ways to use the Force. Which is why I think it's great that Luke's lessons in this film are about learning from the Jedi's failures. Yeah. And, you know, saying the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi and stuff like that. Should we should we start from the top and go through anything else we want to mention? So, yeah, we can just go in order and talk about our honorable mentions next. My first one is Happy Beats. Happy <laughs> Beats? Is that BB-8? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to assume you mean at the beginning yes. when Poe is basically punking Hux and <laughs> BB-8 is his backup. Yes, yes. <laughs> so... What I love about that whole sequence is that you said it in the last episode that people liked to try to assign the trio to the other trio. You know, yeah. who's the Luke, who's the Leia. Right, yeah. And what I love about this part with Poe and BB-8 is that Poe is Anakin levels of ridiculous. <laughs> He's just like, I'm going to go take on the entire First Order by myself. Mm-hmm. And BB-8, exactly like R2, is just like, I'm going to make that happen for you. You need me to stick my head into the, yeah. <laughs> the board to keep, you know, keep it flying? Okay, here we go. They're just 
hilarious, and they remind me of Anakin in R2, <laughs> and I love it. I can definitely see that, yeah. And then the next thing I have is the whole moment with Paige. Is her name Paige? Yes, her name's Paige. Paige Tico's death. Yes, that's mine, too. Her sacrifice. I thought that was really cool. Um, that whole opening scene is a very neat way to introduce the film, but I always like seeing stories that tell the story of like the battle or the war from the individual soldiers or people's perspectives and kind of learning about the sacrifice of the the lesser known characters that's needed mm-hmm. to drive the the victory and stuff like that the way they did it i really was sad for Paige, even though she was introduced in this scene mm-hmm. and i think that was important because she's important to rose's character right. So you, we needed to care about her, and they did a really good job of making her very heroic, yeah. even though she then immediately died. Sad. <laughs> which brings me to my next moment, which is Leia being sad. You know, everyone's cheering. The mm-hmm. entire room is cheering because they brought down the destroyer, but Leia is sad because so many people died right. to do it. I like this moment because, one... It reminds me of my Bail Organa love of my life moment. Oh, I can, yeah, it definitely is similar to that. And also of Padme being sad at the very beginning of Phantom Menace because she can't stop the invasion from happening. So I like that it connects Leia to parents. Mm -hmm. And then it also reminds us that Leia has literally been fighting this fight for her entire life. Really... Before her birth, she was in this battle. Mm -hmm. And that is exhausting and tragic. And she's still losing. And it's just, there's so much in that one sorrowful look of Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and I like that Leia's reaction and the way that she speaks to Poe afterwards is part of the sort of theme of failure in this movie. And how maybe things that seemed like successes are are failures, which ties into the past of the Jedi and things like that, too. So uh, next on my list is Luke tossing his lightsaber. Mm. (laughs) Because it reminds us of the last time that Luke tossed his lightsaber. Uh (laughs) And I like that. Yeah. And also, it was just funny. You know, we've been waiting for two years (laughs) to to see what was going to happen. And that's what happened. Yeah. I also like the moment with... Luke's routine and seeing Ray just follow him around um, because it's funny and it's also kind of mimics like we were talking in the last episode about Ray's routine and she's in that movie the stubborn person who just wants to stay on Jakku and now she's like following around Luke who's just the stubborn person who wants to stay (laughs) on his island you know (laughs) so it's kind of interesting there and fun yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great parallel that connects them. And I also like when we see Luke's hut and he has what I can only assume is Vader's Kyra crystal on a cord. Really? Where? I don't remember that. At the very beginning when she first arrives and they go into his hut and it just lingers for a second on a crystal on a cord oh interesting i'll have to look for that next time it just has to be vaders i'm sorry and i like it makes me sob (laughs) the idea that he has that wow and then i also like in the snoke scene like i'm not a big snoke fan (laughs) but 
I like that in the Snoke scene, Ben is being sad and emo, and he's not even talking, but and Snoke says that he has too much, you have too much of your father's heart in you, mm-hmm. which is very similar to what Han says, that he has too much Vader mm-hmm. in him, yeah. and I just feel like Ben can't win. Oh, I know. <laughs> no no one is happy with him as he is. Yeah. It's very sad. <laughs> and from that early on, it's, you know, this is like 10 minutes into the movie maybe, and honestly, this movie is Adam Driver's. I cared about Ben in The Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi is just a whole other level of, wow, what a character and what an actor. Yeah, I think that's part of both... Ben and Ray's the the struggles that they have with knowing like figuring out what the right thing to do is for themselves is what part of what makes that moment in the throne room where they join forces so exciting. Yes. Because that's just like culmination of all of this internal struggling that they've had. And for Kylo, that's really where it starts is with that conversation with Snoke where he's just telling him you're just a child in a mask. You're, you have too much of your father in you. And then, of course, he destroys his mask afterwards, which was a, yeah. also a good moment. And the next thing I have is a Kylo Ren spinning in his fighter, just like his uh, grandpa. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> they definitely did on purpose. And then you know, he's spinning in it to, to show off and do his, because he's the best pilot. And then... He can't bring himself to shoot at his mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is important. That conflict within him is still there. Yes. It's why he's so completely crazy at the very end of the film, where he's just like, destroy everything, shoot everything, (laughs) kill everything, because he's he's desperate to be beyond this decision this Mm -hmm. decision and this conflict of can i do it yeah he just wants to be done with it no matter like what what way that is like you said like he wants to let the past die and stuff like that because he has a hard time facing that sort of thing yeah my next one is when we see rose for the first time and she's crying about her sister because i think that again sort of brings it back to the scene with Paige and everyone celebrating and the fact that no one else mentions her or, like, acknowledges that sacrifice, but then Rose, like, that's really, really affected her. And I wrote down in my notes that I wanted to mention that Rose is your sister, Eris's favorite human character. Eris loves droids. droids yeah. <laughs> she loves Rose, and she wants those necklaces Mm -hmm. because you know she loves her sister and so she feels represented in star wars because one of rose's defining characteristics is how much she loves her sister Mm -hmm. and how important family is to her oh it's so sad though but yeah that's sweet and i also like in that scene with rose and finn that they start they start using science (laughs) yeah figure out how everything is is working and they start like discussing it back and forth and it's not even real science it's like made up science Mm -hmm. and so there's no way that we have any way of understanding what they're talking about but you just sort of get excited about it because 
they're excited about mm-hmm. it. So I just think that's really cute. And I, I love the idea that these two, like, grease monkeys are bonding over absurd made-up science. Yes, yeah. and I like that it's these are things that they know better than anyone else but no one's, like, going to ask them about it. I almost, like, I don't know, like, yeah. obviously in the last movie, Finn's knowledge of the First Order and the Starkiller base was extremely valuable. But, yeah, I, I, you wouldn't imagine anyone would, like, go and ask Rose about what they should do for this, this whole side mission they go on and everything. Yeah. So My next moment is when Poe closes his hand over unconscious Leia's. Mm-hmm. I just like the connection between... Poe and Leia, that Poe lost his parents and that Leia lost her son, and they have a really great mentor-student relationship. Even when mm-hmm. they're fighting, <laughs> they still care about each other. Yeah. So I already mentioned the part where Luke is describing the Force. I do really like that. And I, I also like how Rey, her mind goes straight to the, the dark place that's calling her. Um, yes. And Luke says, you went straight to the dark. Because, again, like, you you see little inklings of her being drawn to the dark side or not being able to control her emotions when it comes to the Force. And it's becoming more clear in mm-hmm. this scene that that's kind of something that she's dealing with. And this is the beginning of the Force bond mm-hmm. between Ray and Ben, mm-hmm. which I'm super into. I especially like, I think it's the second time that they connect. Ray is smiling because it's raining, and I just think that's adorable. (laughs) Because, again, she's from a desert planet, and so the idea that water is just there, it's just so cute when she's smiling at it. Mm -hmm. And then we go to Ben, and he is standing in that same stance from Attack of the Clones that Anakin is in. And so I really like that sort of juxtaposition. They both have traits of the past in in that moment that I really Mm. like. And then that's the scene where she says, you're a monster, and and he says, yes, I'm Mm -hmm. a monster. He's so desperate to be a monster. He's trying so hard. (laughs) And plenty of people would say he succeeds, but I think that he doesn't think he's succeeded. And that's interesting to me. I yeah. just find that, that struggle very interesting. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting how the Force connection starts with them being so antagonistic and then like them growing to understand each other and everything later in the film. Yeah. The first time that they have it, you know, she shoots at him <laughs> and it's reminiscent of in The Force Awakens where she's just so angry that she just wants to destroy him. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything until Canto Bite? Just that I like that Luke blames Obi-Wan and the Jedi for Anakin falling and that Rey gives oh, yes. credit for not giving up on Anakin. And then she has this amazing line, you didn't fail Kylo, Kylo failed you. Mm. Which, again, reasserts that you have to be responsible for your own choices. Yeah. That Luke did make mistakes. The same way that Obi-Wan made mistakes. But Anakin and Kylo are not blameless. Mm-hmm. They made the choices. Yeah, and are you referring to the where he's giving a second lesson and talking about the legacy of the Jedi is failure? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I wrote that down too. I do like that they talk about Obi-Wan there and like say they don't say like, I, I, at least I think, like they don't say a Jedi 
became Darth Vader. They say a Jedi Master trained Darth Vader. Yes. Right? Yeah, and so they're, they are kind of getting at that, like, taking responsibility for, for those failures. And they talk about hubris and hypocrisy, which definitely is prevalent throughout the prequels in the Jedi. And so it's neat to see that coming forward yeah. all the way in the sequel trilogy. I definitely have to say that I loved how strongly the prequels influenced this movie. Yeah. It was very refreshing. And this is stuff that you and I have certainly talked about and others have as well, but I think there are also lots of people who who dislike the prequels because because they don't align with the way the Jedi are in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I think that this kind of statement that Luke is making is showing that that's by design, that's on purpose. And that that's part of the problem of the Jedi during that era. Right. You know, that they are hypocritical. Like we said in our Minor Jedi episodes, mm-hmm. the Jedi are not at their best. Right, yeah. They are becoming problematic. <laughs> and not on purpose. They're not, like, yeah. choosing to, to fail or to mm-hmm. become elitist or to... It's just what happened. The system was broken and they were too proud to yeah. acknowledge that or to try to fix it. That's exactly it. And I like how they use the word hubris because that is the kind of the sense that that word gives me is like they they don't mean to be this way, but they just, uh, you know, it reminds me of like a tragic hero story where like, oh, their hubris led to their downfall and stuff like that. Exactly. I've always said that Darth Vader is a tragic hero. So all I have to say about Canto Bright is that destroying rich people is good. (laughs) I picked the moment where... Rose, you know, Finn is talking about how great he thinks this casino is, and Rose is saying, you know, look closer, and telling him the story of her sister and her, and how they, how these people took everything from them, and I think that that's kind of a, a really good message about being responsible for your ignorance, I guess, like, Finn would never intend to, to be, like, rude and saying, like, yeah. You know, I, I think that this is an awesome place, but he just doesn't know better. Right. And so I think what's, you know, really great is that he listens to her. And then throughout the rest of the film, he's kind of advocating for going against these people instead. Yeah. Finn's role in this film is, is one of the things that's very controversial, I would say. Mm-hmm. And one of the main complaints is that he doesn't have an arc or that his arc is the same as it is in The Force Awakens. And so it seems like he hasn't learned anything. And I can see that, but I think he actually does have a really good arc in this film. And what's great about it is that it builds on The Force Awakens because Mm -hmm. each person that he meets, he learns something from that person. Just the same way he's with Poe and with Rey, he learns something from Rose. He even learns something from DJ. And then he uses all of that together to choose to be the person he wants to be. Yeah, and it's something that's not very clear when you first watch the movie, or at least not for me, but definitely now that I've paid more attention to Finn's story, you know, like at first I thought that Finn was kind of becoming more of a side character who doesn't really have an arc anymore, which was a little disappointing because how much I enjoyed his story in The Force Awakens, but... Really, yeah, you're right. He he does have a very clear character trajectory here. He's still trying to run at the beginning of the film, but then by the end, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the resistance, not for Ray or anything right. else. But like he's 
he's actually fighting for the cause because, you know, like you're saying, he's learned from all these people along the way. And I think that it's cool that this Canto Bite side mission is like almost a red herring that like they, again, failure, they fail this side mission, but they learn so much through it and they also inspire, you know, people through it. And so that's more important. I'm convinced that their mission to inspire like the little kid that we see at the end is going to come into play. Yes. You know, Leia puts out this message to all of Leia's friends, whoever they are, and nobody comes, right? Mm -hmm. But the message has gone out. This little kid got the message. He thinks that he's a part of the resistance now, right? He has the ring. He is telling the story. I don't know. I just, I really feel that it's actually going to become important. And I don't know. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I just think that the story is everybody can be in the rebellion. Everybody can be in the resistance. Yes. And anyone can use the force. Or anyone not, can use not the force. Like, use the force, but, like, the force is a part of everyone. Right. And you don't have to be a Jedi to use the force, I guess. Yeah. So, anyway, we're skipping ahead. What do you want to go back to? A sentence that I wrote down is that Ben had a blue lightsaber. This is very important to me. <laughs> because Anakin's and Obi-Wan's were blue. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's silly, it's silly, but it's important to me, so I just had to mention it. When we see the, the sort of truth about, or Luke's story of mm-hmm. what happened back then, I just think it was well filmed, and you can sort of see the emotion in the characters, and I like when he says, you know, after he ignites his lightsaber because he's afraid of Ben, mm-hmm. yeah, he says the moment passed with pain and with consequence, and then that's when we see... Yes. Ben waking up. I just think that's really well done from like a film perspective. Yes, it's very well done. And I think it's really important because this is another thing that's very controversial that people are like, Luke wouldn't attack his father, so of course he's not going to attack his nephew. And it's like, have you seen Richard and the Jedi? Luke definitely attacked his father, like a lot. yeah. He was really going after him. And, and it, was only... it was out of, like, fear, right? Exactly. It was to protect Leia. It was, like, specifically to protect Leia. And I can absolutely imagine that this same, like, it would be to protect Leia. Like, that, that is why he would go after his nephew as well. Because it's too upsetting that he yeah. would have that darkness within him. Yeah, and it's, it is very tragic to see this scene and see that this happened and caused so much trauma trauma yeah for for ben and that you know yeah luke was probably just spur of the moment like he saw this happen before he he already has so much tragedy in his past and he doesn't want to see that happen again and so of course he has that moment of fear but then like he said with consequence and that's incredible and because of my Anakin obsession, I can absolutely see it from Ben's perspective that if Luke sees something in him that is so terrible that he raises his lightsaber against him, then that means that Ben is evil. And the only way to move forward is to become that. And it's exactly the same as when Anakin stops Mace Windu from killing Palpatine Mm -hmm. 
And then he realizes if that's what I did, if I helped evil, then now I have to be evil. I can't be a Jedi anymore. I have to be a Sith because that's the way the Jedi taught him. And I think that Ben is feeling the same way. I've failed at being good, so I'm going to lean all the way into evil. Mm. And that's why it's a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My next one, I was actually uh, going back to Canto Bite or like to DJ. <laughs> yes. When he, he and BB-8 rescue Finn and Rose, and they get on that ship and he's talking with them. Um, he says, good guys, bad guys, made up words. You know, mm-hmm. they're talking about, like, the ship and who, whether it belonged to the bad guys or the good guys. And I, we talked to, like, we've already mentioned that this conversation meant something to Finn because I think made him think to himself, I don't want to be like that and want to, you know, fight for the good cause. But I do like just that. I always like a neutral character. I think that it makes it interesting to throw someone into the story where there's a clear fight from one side and the other to have someone who's not involved in that fight and is just a neutral character. Yes. Um, we see that come up sometimes in the Clone Wars as well. So Hondo. Yeah. Yeah. With Hondo. Yep. Yeah, I have to say that Benicio del Toro does a great job with that role. Yeah. I don't like him. He's slimy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very well played. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I really like when Ray confronts Luke mm-hmm. because she's so angry. Right, yeah. And I love how protective she is of Ben because they had that connection. Like, I love their hand touch and the mm-hmm. fact that Luke overreacts so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand from Luke's perspective it's horrible, but, you know, of course she's angry. Right. Because he's so angry. You know, he escalates at first. It's just like... Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar, Obi-Wan escalates it first. I love that dynamic. And it's it's not fair that Luke doesn't tell her the full story at first about what happened with Ben and so but you know, I feel like Jedi he has to know him. that you know that this is coming. Yeah, exactly. He he should absolutely know. He straight up lies to Rey just like Obi-Wan straight up lied to him and mm. they're just all perpetuating this nonsense, mm-hmm. but it's of course it's hard. You can't, you know, owning up to failure is the hardest thing anyone can do. Yeah. So I get it. I don't, you know, I never want to say I messed up either, but it just creates more problems <laughs> in the mm-hmm. end. And then the only other thing I want to say is that when uh, Ray goes to Ben in her little box. Um, holding the lightsaber close to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like that it has the same imagery as Padme's coffin, as creepy as that is. It's also very cool. And I just think that there's a lot of, like, sort of fairy tale Snow White stuff going on there that is interesting. I never would have thought of that. What do you mean, fairy tale Snow White stuff? Uh, well, you know, okay, so the Snow White story is that she's in a glass box. Right, right? okay. The glass box that she's in and the way that it opens and there's the smoke 
and and Disney Prince Ben Solo appears. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I understand why Raylo people are are hardcore in this film because that is a Disney Prince Ben Solo moment, mm. and the way that the smoke goes is reminiscent of both Anakin and Mustafar and Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back. And again, they did that on purpose. That is so cool. So I just really, I think that's a beautiful sequence. I love how related it is to Annie Dalla and even to Han and Leia. I mean, that's cool. So I love how much you're able to pick up on some of these parallels, these connections. I really like making the videos, and so I'm always watching for that Mm -hmm. and I love it and you know there's that quote of George Lucas's that he says those echoes are there on purpose that it's like poetry Mm -hmm. you know I I said this on Twitter just today actually I was doing the lead up to for the rise of Skywalker every day you answer a question and today's question was describe Star Wars in three words and I said space fairy tale Mm. because that's how I see it it's not science fiction it's fantasy it's a fairy tale everything is very heightened it's not realistic it's allegory and it's cyclical Mm -hmm. and and that is on purpose I really love seeing these different these different parallels and I really love Ray in the Box (laughs) and that she calls him Ben. While I was editing our last episode, I realized that I did not call him Kylo Ren once. Yeah, I I just noticed that as we were talking today that I've been saying Kylo Ren and you've been saying Ben (laughs) for most of this. That's just how I see him. I think I did call him Kylo Ren a few times this time, but... It's the Flynn Rider thing because, like, all the marketing is Kylo Ren and though his real name is Ben. So it's like Flynn Rider entangled. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whose actual name is Eugene. And Eugene chose... Flynn Rider because he thought it was cooler right. and he wanted to be something that he didn't feel like he was. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. We'll see if in the next movie he wants to be called Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a couple more things from the throne room, which we've already talked about so much, but I just wanted to point out a couple of moments from the actual fight because I think that that whole fight is really well choreographed and I think that it's creative. You know, it's yes. sort of we're seeing some movements and attacks that are new and haven't been done before in the other movies, as far as I remember. And so it's just, it's always very satisfying to watch. And so two of those moments that I like are when they're killing the last two of the Red Guards. The first one is holding Rey so that she can't move, and she drops her lightsaber from one hand to the other to take him out, which I just think that's very creative and cool. And then after that, she throws her lightsaber over to Kylo Ren and he kills the last red guy just by very quickly igniting it toward the the red guard. Yes. Praetorian guard? Is that what they're called? I think so. I like that they each have their own like special weapon. Mm-hmm. Like those guards Yeah, very cool. Are completely random just bad guys, but they're all, like, really cool anyway. Yeah, it's not like they're all just holding the same type of weapon. They all have their own thing going on, a different fighting style that they have to figure out how to deal with. It's very cool. It's very cool. The next thing on my list is Haldo's Sacrifice. Yes. Which... Me too. I mean, it's amazing. Whatever you think of Haldo as a person, (laughs) I love her, I will say. That moment is incredible. The light speed ram. And I love how silent it is. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of one of my favorite bits in Attack of the Clones 
when Obi-Wan is fighting Jango Fett and it gets completely quiet and silent right before there's a big boom. Yeah, the seismic charges, yeah. It's so amazing, and this reminded me of that. Everything is silent, and I remember watching it in the theaters and the entire theater gasped as it happened. Mm -hmm. And so that silence was filled with the audience reaction and that just sticks with me and it's so amazing yes that's the connection i did make too with the with the seismic charges because i think the films all of them sound and music is a big part of them Absolutely. and so the fact that they use silence so deliberately is very effective yes my next thing is on crate all right i have one more thing before we all right and that is Phasma's line, you're a bug in the system, mm. she tells to Finn. Right. And his response is silly, but that one line, you're a bug <laughs> in the system, I really <laughs> like because it shows that the First Order see the stormtroopers as software. Like, mm. they are just, they're hardware run by software. And they don't see them as individuals, they don't see them as people, certainly. And... Yeah. He is like a virus that needs to be eradicated. And I just think that that's really important because the resistance from the very beginning, Poe saw him as a person and introduced him to this wider world of people that saw him as a, an individual. You know, Ray saw him as an individual. Han saw him as, as an individual. And the First Order are angry that he is his own person. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really great for Finn. It's just it's just a really good, like, I want him to be the Hugh to the Borg, to, uh, to use a reference that you won't understand. I don't know what that means. But anyone who yeah. likes Star Trek <laughs> will understand. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay, my next thing is on Crate, which is just such a cool setting in general. Uh, but I have to give a shout-out to another meme, because I did so in the last one as well, uh, and that is salt. <laughs> that is when the guy in the trench just randomly licks the red stuff and says, salt. <laughs> I know, it's so ridiculous. Because that's been so well used, and yep. <laughs> but it was actually, like, that... But it's also setting up the, the setting of the story. So. Yeah, and also, it's so tense... Mm -hmm. And and that breaks the tension, and that's why it's there. I assume is to, yeah. to so that we can step back and see the story. Because at that point, you're like, so it, this is the big confrontation that we've been waiting the entire movie for, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, I think it's, it's definitely funny, and I think it's great. So my next note is when Finn rallies the resistance. And this is what I mean when I say that he has an arc, and it culminates here, where not only is he a part of the resistance, he is going to say, hey, guys, we can do this. Mm -hmm. we, we are the resistance. We can't wait for anybody else. We can go out and, and make time for our backup to come. Mm -hmm. And that's what Luke does, and that's what Ray does, and so it's all related, and they're all... There and so I just I love that Finn is the one who does that. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's growing as a character. It's great. I also like when they, after they've devised their plan, they send out those 
speeders <laughs> toward the First Order cannon, and just that shot of those speeders moving through the sand or the, yeah, salt, the salt, and <laughs> the colors, the red color, that's just so cool. I love that shot. It's This is another one where the, the cinematography is amazing and everything is mm-hmm. beautiful and the effects, like the Adats marching with the sun behind them is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely beautiful shots. And then Ray arrives with the Falcon and starts shooting them out of the sky. And, uh, and then they all chase after her. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have one for when Luke arrives. Um, do you have anything before that? Rose's line, that's how we're going to win, not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. Right. Which I think, if you really think about it, is sort of another thesis statement of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Because that's how Luke won, right? And then Luke winning is how the Rebellion won. And so if we are telling that story again, if, if it is poetry, then that's how we're going to win this time. Saving what we love. Yeah, I like that. I hadn't actually thought of that connection to Luke for that particular line. Next moment that I chose was when Luke reunites with Leia. And I like the moment where... He touches Leia's hand, and she you can tell, well, after viewing it once and viewing it again, you can tell that she realizes at that point that he's not actually there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just well acted and something that's... It's, it's always fun to watch again and pick up on the things yes. that you didn't notice before now that you know the reveals and stuff. You're absolutely right that you, well, the first time you don't notice, but then right. you, you have this heightened sense of everything, and you do notice. Mm-hmm. My next thing is when Luke winks at Threepio mm-hmm. as he's <laughs> passing, and I, it's the same thing. It's like, he's not <laughs> winking at Threepio because he's like, hey, Threepio. He's winking <laughs> at Threepio because that's another signal that he's not really there, and I think that's, like, cool. And then, yeah, I also like how he... I, I guess I'm just going to point out all the clues because I, I just, <laughs> I like this. I mean, I, I'm i sure I and everyone noticed that Luke has that lightsaber that's broken. That's obviously a big clue that something's weird. But uh, honestly, the first time, you, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have his green lightsaber anymore, so maybe it's a new lightsaber. Or, like, you don't notice. You don't think about where he got a lightsaber Right, that's fair. He could be hiding something. And I also like that he doesn't leave a footprint in the... In yeah. The, floor because everyone else as soon as you touch the floor the the ground becomes red and that's not true with Luke's footprints it's like all these little details are very cool and a lot of fun to look out for and also I will say that I love that Luke does use Anakin's lightsaber because he's going back to his roots I know because he could have chosen anything (laughs) yeah he's reminding Ben of his roots like everything Luke does is obviously deliberate Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of symbolism in his choosing that lightsaber. Yeah. And he also changed his hairstyle and things to sort of look like what he did in the flashbacks. Right. So I'm sure that also gets to Ben a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, this is the same person that you faced all those years ago and that used to be close to you. Luke is smart. Good job, Luke. (laughs) Good job, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) I love when Luke says that he'll always be with you. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea as strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. But Luke is saying it personally. 
Like, he's mm-hmm. not saying, I'll be more powerful. He's saying, I will always be with you. Yeah. Just like your father. And again, I really love the idea that Han is always with him. Mm-hmm. And I also really love that Ben immediately tries to tries to strike him, right? Mm-hmm. Ben keeps trying to kill his demons, right? He killed his father. He killed Snoke. He tries to kill Luke. But it never works. Mm-hmm. He's obviously still suffering from whatever struggle is going on. Killing Han didn't fix it. Killing Snoke didn't fix it. And failing to kill Luke just makes him completely crazy. Mm-hmm. So... I, l- I love the idea of Luke and Han and everyone else haunting Ben <laughs> and him not getting any rest. He's collecting more force ghosts behind him, like all yelling at him. <laughs> like, like in Mulan or something. Yeah. Gets it from your side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'll say that I like the dice. Han's dice Mm -hmm. that Luke finds in the Millennium Falcon and then he quote-unquote hands to Leia even though they're not really there and then Ben picks them up and they're not really there. And I remember coming out of that movie saying, those dice better be important in Solo. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, they weren't in anything else, right? Or were they in, like, the EU or anything like that? They were in A New Hope, but it's just like... Oh, they are in A New Hope. It's like a visual. It's like Vader's red kyber crystal. It was like that. It was a split second. So they're there, but they only become important in this movie. And then they they did show up again in Solo. So I was correct. Right, yeah. And, you know, Ben is too much like his father. I think the good and the bad. Mm Mm-hmm. So those dice are important. And I like Ray closing the door on him. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's also a very good moment. I firmly believe she's going to open the door back up. <laughs> but I really like Ray making that choice and saying, okay, fine, we're still connected, apparently. It wasn't Snoke after all, but I don't forgive you. <laughs> I'm, I'm still angry at you. Do we know that it's not Snoke, or is it just like it could be left over, like he connected them permanently or something? Or I d- yeah, who knows? I don't know if we, yeah. I'm just curious now. They're I actually, I actually forgot that it was Snoke. In our last episode, I was talking about them a little bit as if they were already connected because I'd forgotten about this and that Snoke was like, yeah, I did that. So, yeah, I'm interested in if that's explained. Again, or <laughs> I don't really like Snoke. <laughs> I would be completely well, yeah, fine with Snoke said. lying. Or that their connection existed and Snoke used it, mm-hmm. which is sort of implied. Yeah. He says that... He could tell that there was something going on, and so he he used it against them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I like her shutting down, and then we have the end. Definitely, when I saw it, it did feel like the end like dragged on, and there were lots of endings. But at the same time, I like I like all the like I picked Luke Luke's sunset as my favorite, and was yes. one of my favorites. And then I also like the the boy at the end with the resistance ring and the broom. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I can see why they made these choices. It's very meaningful. I like both of those more more than I like the stuff on the Millennium Falcon. It feels sort of required almost. Like, I don't want right, to say forced. Right, that's the thing. But it's like, oh, Leia and Chewie hug because they failed to last time. Oh, Poe and Ray are introduced because <laughs> they don't actually know each other. Yeah. 
those things don't seem actually necessary. I agree. That's maybe the weaker part. Yeah. And then there's the the possibility of a Finn Rose versus Finn Ray that I just don't even want to entertain. Oh, but we have to have that scene to see that those Jedi books are in the drawer. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Exactly. It's like, oh, and there's the Jedi books to prove that Yoda was lying once again. <laughs> Good job, Yoda. So, I mean, I'm glad that Yoda sticks to his character. I like Yoda's, you know, he also gives that message about failure and how failure is the best teacher. So I, I didn't mention that moment. That's also a very good moment. This is actually probably my favorite moment with Yoda is in this yeah. movie. Like, I think his scene in this movie He's is better wrong. than every other scene with Yoda <laughs> because he does, you know, I was saying that it's hard to admit that, that you failed. Yoda admits he failed. Mm-hmm. Yoda admits he was wrong, and that's all I ever wanted from Yoda. Right. I just wanted Yoda <laughs> to say, oh, I made mistakes. So we asked on our social medias what are some favorite moments that other people had, because these are all of our favorite moments, but what does the wider audience think? Yeah, and these are from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. The, the sequels so far. So I will just, I'll, go, I'll run down the list. Yeah, why don't you read them? I got two responses on Tumblr from Jones 41 who said, John Boyega and Harrison Ford's interactions in The Force Awakens. I think that's great. That's a good one. We talked about that. You talked about how Han kind of adopts everybody. Right. <laughs> including Finn. Yeah, and I think, you know, I said that The Last Jedi is Adam Driver's movie. John Boyega really, like, drove The Force Awakens. Like, I'm being mean to Daisy Ridley. Daisy is great, and I love Rey, and she's probably my favorite new character. But I just, I'm really impressed with what John Boyega does in The Force Awakens, and I'm really impressed with what Adam Driver does in this movie. So, yes, I agree with Elle Jones that John Boyega and Harrison Ford are great. We didn't mention that's not how The Force works. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a really fun (laughs) little, little moment. And then the other one from Tumblr is, I'm going to say this wrong, but Yadomingan, something like that, on Tumblr said, The Force Awakens was the very first Star Wars movie I got into, and as soon as Rey's introduction scene started, I felt something no sci-fi movie had made me feel before. And as you mentioned, Ray's routine sequence is really amazing. Yeah. How much they convey with no dialogue and just Ray being Ray. Yeah, that's great. And The Force Awakens was a new way of getting into Star Wars for a lot of people, I feel. Yes. And so that's really great to hear that. And they continue that and Ray versus Kylo on Starkiller plus Ray and Kylo versus Snoke's guards peak Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then Jay on Facebook said, I think that Snoke's death to the back-to-back face-off is one of the best moments in all of Star Wars. There we go. We both picked that one. I (laughs) agree. All right. From Instagram, we have Lisa Love 517 who said the lightsaber flying into Ray's hands, which was one of my moments, and I 100% agree. And also Han and Chewie back in the Falcon with Chewie, we're home. Of course. So wonderful. And then Hendrik on Instagram, uh, Hendrik is my brother. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Um, So Hendrik said, in The Force Awakens, it's the Ray and Finn chemistry when escaping from fake Tatooine. Fake Tatooine. (laughs) 
Fair. She said that that whole sequence was so amazing that we couldn't even pick a favorite moment. So yes. And then Hendrick's favorite part of The Last Jedi is Luke's last hurrah. Yep. So sweet. And then we have four responses from Twitter. Morgan on Twitter said, Finn with the lightsaber at the end of The Force Awakens. Yep. Yes, we agree. And then in The Last Jedi, Rey handing Luke his saber and him tossing it off the cliff. (laughs) Sharon on Twitter said, The first real conversation between Finn and Poe with the whole, You need a pilot? I need a pilot fit. Yes, Which yes. was one of your moments. Very you good. Go. Paul Paola said the throne room fight is incredible. Again, we all agree. That's true. <laughs> and finally, Dogstore85 on Twitter said, Finn's defection at the beginning of The Force Awakens, hand pleading with Kylo and touching his son's face, which I waxed <laughs> poetically about for some yeah, time. Yeah, wow, that exact moment. Yep. And then finally... No one is ever really gone in The the Last Mm. Jedi. Yeah. Which is what Luke says to Leia in that scene that we mentioned. No one is ever really gone. Which is... Bittersweet. In context, beautiful. But within context of the film, it's really sad because we all missed Carrie Fisher. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank everybody who responded. I was very pleased with all of the responses and yeah, those I are really awesome. appreciate it. I love these films. I love all of Star Wars and I'm so glad to see people embracing these films. Me too. And our next episode, we're going to be talking about the new movie, right? That's right. Wow, that's exciting. Thank you for listening to Brea and Leia. You can find us online at breaandleia.live and follow us on Twitter at at Brea and Leia. That's B-R-E-H-A-N-L-E-I-A. I am at Kirsty Bath on Twitter. And I am at Manic Pixie Dane. Our theme music is You Can Think Positive by Snow Music Studio. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And tell your friends. Join us in two weeks for our first impressions of The Rise of Skywalker. Woo! So exciting. <laughs>